Blog Talk Radio. Everybody, welcome back to Blog Talk Radio. Um, my name is Stacy Webb, and I am with BackInTime.biz. Um, today, we've got Scott Totally Sewell back. Um, we haven't spoken to him in a while, and um, he's been busy writing three new books. And we're awfully excited to get him on here and uh, talk about his. Um, new titles upcoming. He also has several titles from BackInTime.biz, which are always available at Amazon and Kindle and Nook as well, um, Barnes and Noble. Um, but today we're going to talk about some, some uh, three new titles that he's written. Uh, the first one is Eyes on the Prize in Native South in the Native South. And uh, the subtitle is The Struggle for Federal Recognition Recognition in the 21st Century. The second one is The Freedman's Quandary, Crossroads of Tribal Identity in Indian Country. Uh, the third one is Last of the Dominickers. And so... Um, that one proves to be of the most interest to me, but just because I know that the Dominickers are uh, related to all of us. And uh, so he's presented some genealogy. I, I know it's awful that I haven't been able to go through his new titles, but I've just been extremely busy. And so um, uh, we just... Um, haven't had the time, and so we thought we'd get in here and do this blog talk and get everything ready for, um, you know, to to get these published as soon as possible. I'm not sure of the sequence yet of how we're going to, which one we're going to do first, second, and third, but but we, we will figure it out here in the coming weeks, and we will certainly let you know. Um, we have a few small updates with um, the Goins book. And I know everybody's been excited to hear about the Goins book, but um, I'm just going to give a short thing that we have new DNA results, Y DNA results, that have come in recently. And and we verified some lines, uh, some Y DNA lines, and we also added to their genealogy. And we're uh, that that would be the William Moses um, line. He married Charlotte Nelson, and then his father was James uh, Goins, who married um, 
Elizabeth Perkins. And uh, so we, uh, many, many of us, we're, we're all interrelated, but these Y lines are being presented separately in at least two different Goins books. We've got Goins book one, which will be a concentration of the Philip Goins, James Goins. Philip Goins was uh, the progenitor of Jeremiah Goins' line, um, also known as the Robert Goins versus the Choctaw Nation. It was a lawsuit that went on for a number of years um, over the Goins, but they were finally accepted. And um, so uh, those two lines were exact Y-DNA for each other. Uh, that and James, you married Elizabeth Perkins. Now, um, Philip, uh, who would, would, would have been an exact match for James. We're not sure if they were brothers or you know, how it's going to work out. Um, Marilyn Baguette Kopliaka is working on that chapter. And then Gabe or Gary Gabe Hart, uh, Michi Ho, is, uh, rep- has represented the Jeremiah Goins line, the Philip line. Philip Mer- was married to one Lucia Lawson, who was uh, known Lumbee. Uh, and then number two, he was married to an Audie Montreux or an Audie Monroe. We're not sure. Um, uh, and then number three, he was married to Kizzy Nash or Kizzy Ash. And so we we don't hear from him again after 1816, so we're sure he may have passed away as well or may have been involved in the massacre where uh, his Y-DNA, either father or brother, James, and a brother named Thomas, um, were all killed at Mayhew Mission uh, when the uh, final removals happened. Uh, the big black band of Choctaw decided um, to not remove with final removals, and they were forcibly removed in uh, 1838. And when they arrived at Bog Mountain in um, Indian Territory, Oklahoma now, uh, there was an uprising with the Choctaws over sharing their rations and and so forth, and and these men were killed, and and we believe that Philip could have possibly have been killed also at that time. We just don't have a record of it. They were buried in mass on a small prairie right outside of uh, Bog Mountain Depot or the old Bog Mountain mission. And um, so we're excited about that book, and we've made a bunch of connections with Y-DNA on that line to um, the Tennessee and uh, North Georgia Goins families uh, who moved into Missouri Territory, which at the time was still part of Louisiana's purchase. And then Goins Book 2, which is representative of interrelated families but separate Y-DNA line, and we talk a lot about them uh, throughout our our um, Facebook uh, events and, and postings and so forth, and they were uh, quite unusual, but they did also match uh, perfect Y-DNA to the Sweat, Parkins, Powell, which was Osceola, the Great Creek or Seminole Resistance Leader, Williams, and uh, Warwick, 
a, a Lumbee's or a, a Lumbee family that came out of uh, North Carolina. So without further ado, uh, let me get Chris uh, Haldley in here. Let me make sure he's here with me. Uh, let's see. Uh, he is asking me how to get in. Excuse me just for a moment, and I'll get him in here. Excuse the delay. He's um, I sent him some confusing information. He uh, just needs to call in, and we'll get him up here just shortly. I see we have two callers on hold. Um, make sure that that's not one of him. Totally, <laughs> if you're listening, let me know what which number is yours, and I'll open your mic. I've got six or seven callers waiting in line, so I'm not sure which one is you. Hey, how to leave? Scott? Hey, can you hear me? Hey, how to leave? I can hear you now. Okay, good, good. Hey, brother, how are you? I'm doing good. How about you? Very, very well. Thank you. It's awful good to hear you back in back in the game and publishing some new books and uh, getting all of this great history of our people out. Um, we are just tickled to get uh, your three new manuscripts and to work through those with you. And I want to talk right away about Eyes on the Prize in the Native South. Um, This is an extremely important topic, uh, the struggles for federal recognition, you know, in the 21st century. And I think it's a perfectly timed book um, because we do have so many of our brothers and sisters out there who are organized and working towards their – you know, towards their sovereign citizenship. And so tell us all about that book and and where we're at with, you know, BIA and those kinds of things. Okay. Um, It it was kind of some impetus to write this as I watched at that moment the approach of the federal recognition for these five Virginia tribes that had been long time involved in trying to get federal recognition – But, you know, these are groups with long histories in the state, well-documented histories, nothing, you know, kind of shaky about it. But it was just the real problems going on with the federal recognition system and the struggle to revamp it that the federal government was involved in the last few decades trying to get a process that had been backlogged and bogged down and disorganized into some kind of work in order. And so they went in, they revamped uh, some of the regulations. If you've 
ever heard anything about it, in 1978, the Bureau of Indian Affairs established regulations for groups wanting to petition for federal recognition to, you know, guide them on that path. Because previously there was really just the congressional path, path that Congress recognized the tribe, federally recognized them, and they were recognized. And that was how it was done, and not many tribes got recognized. And, you know, BIA said, we've got to do something different. So in 78, they set up regulations, and they set them up in response to this huge uh, surge of groups seeking federal recognition in the in the uh, 70s. And you had a, uh, a lot of them are in the east, a lot of them are in the south for the most part. And so they set these regulations up, and these regulations laid out you know, these seven criteria that tribes that were or groups that were trying to get fairly recognized would need to meet these criteria. Most of the criteria were what you would think. They had to document genealogical descent from tribes that they identified that they were descendants of. Like if you're a Choctaw tribe, you need to come from the Choctaw nation or, or a group of Choctaw, not from a group of Cherokee or Creek or something. Uh, you had to have an existing government. At this time, you had to show documentation of an existing government since all the way back. You could not be members of a different tribe. Uh, you couldn't already be enrolled in another tribe, these kind of things. Uh, so, you know, if you've been kind of like us, you know, for 30 years, you've been involved in different groups, work towards that and helping them and, and working in your own community. This was really interesting to see BIA revamp the process. And a huge backlog they had. So they went through and they said, we're going to divide this into a few groups, groups that have petitions for recognition that are completely done and are good to go, groups that are pretty close to it, and then you've got this whole hundreds of groups. And we're talking about, you know, hundreds of groups who all we have is a letter from them saying they want to do it. So they went in, and they put about a dozen tribes on the active list. They're either ready at this moment, or they will be very, very quickly. And then we got a few others that are kind of in the process. And then they, they basically dropped all of those many, many, you know, hundreds of petitioners who had nothing at BIA except a letter from, you know, 1980 saying, we want to petition for recognition, but never supported any documentation being sent in, never met with them, never, you know, took part in the process. Well, BIA yeah. revamped that, and so you had about a dozen tribes who they said, we, you know, under this uh, reorganization, we're going to get some decisions out really quick. And so as part of that, you saw different groups that had been in the process getting expedited decisions, you know. And the, the Virginia mm -hmm. tribes, you know, a group of five who had made a choice decades ago to work together as a group towards their common goal. And then you have one other group that chose not to join the five as an official working in that capacity. I believe it was the Pamunkey. But they were in the same process and doing the same thing, but just decided to do it more on their own. They had gotten fairly recognized mm. a couple of years ago, and then not long after that, a year or so, the other five got federal recognition. So right on the as that was unfolding, I was writing on this book to kind of contrast different experiences with different tribal groups. So the three groups I looked at was these Virginia tribes, you know, the five that, that went together and, and then the Pamunkey that were going by themselves, so to speak. Uh, 
Also, the Lumbee tribe, which is the longest petitioning tribe there is since the 1880s, they've been fighting for federal recognition. And the Point of Shame uh, Muscogee group that's from South Louisiana that historically have operated, you know, in cooperation with the Homa tribe. But Homa are kind of like um, the Lumbee in that they're a large population of Indian people with a complex history that, uh, you know, the United Homa were the largest tribal group there and, and were petitioning for recognition and really came up against a brick wall with BIA relating to their petitions. They, uh, several of the groups that had been cooperating with the larger Homa, United Homa tribe, withdrew as part of, you know, United Homa tribe and withdrew their involvement with the petition by United Homa and put in their own petitions. And, uh, these groups um, have very, very well-documented identities. But what usually causes some of the tribes, anyway, the greatest problems is not documenting their Indian ancestry or, you know, these kind of things. It's the aspects of their governance, their social isolation, in some cases, with these folks like at Point of Shane and stuff that live on the coast, isolated islands, very... Uh, you know, their ways of life, their fishermen, this kind of stuff. They, you know, they had very little contact with outside authorities. They were pretty self-sufficient, actually. The whole community were fishermen, mm. very tight-knit community, you know, Cajun way of life and stuff. So they uh, they ran up against that to where, you know, the groups are completely documented of Indian ancestry and all of this, but the ongoing government, for many groups, that's, a, that's an issue, especially groups that are, socially isolated that have histories as you know, distinct populations of American Indian people within a, a region, they may not have that, meet that threshold of, well, we had a tribal council or we had a, some type of tribal government. BIA doesn't push hard that, well, it's got to be this cookie-cutter tribal council. It could be a, a community church. It could be a social organization. It could be a lot of things that document a exercising of authority or, or sovereignty over the, the, the community population by the leadership, basically. So there's a lot of issues there, a lot of stuff to unpack. So I said, let me just take these three tribes or these three groups and, and look at them in their different, you know, histories of petitioning, the things that they face, and it'll give you an idea of where it's at. And I wanted to also get in print and get out there that there's these new uh, requirements that have cleared the table. Because it's, like we said, if you've been around sitting around that table 30 years, like I have, you you've seen where from the very beginning in '78 and all the way through how it's evolved and how it got more and more backlogged, less and less functional, just ground to a halt. They've cleared it out. Groups uh, like the Cherokees of Georgia, or you know some of your your tribes um, in California, you have different groups who have run into getting, you know, denials for recognition or denied recognition by BIA for not meeting some of those uh, criteria, you know, that I had uh, talked about earlier. Um, some tribes right. have more with one criteria, some with another. So it really depends on the tribe situation. But the, the, the system is cleared out now to where you have a few groups that are still in the process, but most of that backlog was cleared because they, there wasn't much to them to begin with. And it kind of opens up more of a of a clarity in the functioning of this reorganization. Back years ago, some people may remember, it was the Bureau of Indian Affairs, Bureau of Acknowledgement and Research. Today, it's BIA, Office of Federal Acknowledgement. 
and the process has been more streamlined. It's like over the last 20, 25 years, they've learned a lot about where they were making mistakes in their process of dealing with tribes, how to quickly sort out who's an actual contender and who's just something slapped together by somebody not really understanding that this process is a serious government-to-government uh, reckoning, you know. So, you know, you've got a right. lot of groups. Right. You had hundreds of groups without any real substance, and then you have a few dozen who have long histories of struggle, like the Lumbee, like, you know, the Point of Shame folks, the Virginia tribes. Some of them Virginia tribes had colonial reservations from, you know, <laughs> hundreds of yeah. years ago, well-established, you know, histories. And they were not recognized. I'm shocked uh, that the monkeys are not recognized. Right, the monkeys. Uh, what is the? There was one tribe that went on their own, and then there's the five who who just went through. It's not the Pomonkey. Um, might have been mad upon it. Off the top of my head, I can't remember because it's been about a year since I worked right, on this, right. this work. Yeah, and I I kind of yeah. focus on other groups as it's evolving, like um, what's what's going on right now with group and. For any people who want to keep up with it, you know, Bureau of Indian Affairs website, the Office of Federal Acknowledgement, they have a, a kind of you know, updated, new formatted website. You can keep up with what they're doing on their end very, you know, easily. It's a huge help compared to what it used to be. But uh, if people want to get right, more information right. on it, plus your regular resources, you know, like Indians.com, stuff like this, you can get a daily update on what's going on with federal recognition, you know. And where everybody's at in the process or, or right. you know, right. give you a, a status as far as status. Uh, that's extremely interesting. Um, I'm glad that, you know, that they've kind of moved these ones through that were really prepared and had been waiting. Uh, and then they have, have kind of said to these other ones, you know, you said there was about 100 of them that were just not organized, just had a letter said, hey, we want to be an official tribe right. and, and move those out so that you can make room for the ones who are ready and deserve it and, and need to, yeah, to, to be. Yeah. And tell That's me exactly right. if you know, I'm not sure if you include this in the book. Like I said, I apologize for not being at reading through all of these manuscripts yet. I just have been uh, busy, but um, tell me, uh, do you uh, come to a conclusion in there of anything of, um, you know, is it based on genealogy? Is it is it based on cultural uh, attachment? You know, where they have held their culture. Are those very important points to the BIA when um, they are looking at the? Surprisingly, they don't weigh culture and language and that kind of stuff as much as people would think they do. What they really focus on. Because you're not, you know, when you when you go to Bureau of Indian Affairs and Office of Federal Acknowledgement and stuff and, and are part of that process, you're not asking for them to give you your culture or give you your language or anything like that. You're asking them to acknowledge, and we should clarify, acknowledgement and recognition don't mean the same thing. They are very different legal terms. Recognition means you see something that was not there, and you see it now because it's there now. Acknowledgement means... It was always there, and you didn't see it. And now you see it, and, oh, I didn't, acknowledge, I, I didn't even acknowledge you standing there, John. I'm glad to see you. You know how that is. That's how it is right, with the process. Right. That it means you were always the Indian tribe you were saying you were. They just dropped the ball. 
you know, so that's why it's actually federal acknowledgement. We use recognition because it's just, you know, easier. But really, these are legal terms very full of meaning. And actually, in the last yeah. year since I worked on these works, this has really come to the fore with, like, um, with uh, uh, Elizabeth Warren and uh, uh, all of that that was going on with her genealogy and stuff. The, the misunderstanding yep. many people have that Native American and American Indian are not synonymous terms. They don't mean the same thing. And that someone can be Native American and not be American Indian or be American Indian and not be Native American. Native American is a legal status, meaning one is a member of a tribe that have a relationship with the federal government. American Indian is just a, another racial population. But the, the the issues that the BIA will address will be, does your community, does your tribe have a unbroken history of self-governance? And it can be something really, I mean, we're not talking about big, strong social institutions. Some of the tribes that have gotten recognized, I'll use Porch Band of Creeks, for example, because I know them well. They, you, All you had was a community church and a little community school, the consolidated school, and a few elder people who headed and spoke for the, the very small Indian community through, through you know, generations, through, through 100, 150 years. And yet it was enough that the community stayed intact. Your Indian Affairs looks at it and says, you know, you meet these requirements. Even if you barely meet them, you still meet them. You had an ongoing internal governance that can be demonstrated. It might be demonstrated through a community church, some kind of a, social organization or a meeting and stuff. It don't have mm -hmm. to be a big to-do, but you had an internal self-governance. The main thing that these requirements point at, now there's a couple like the Uchi tribe. The Uchis in Oklahoma went in for federal recognition and said, look, we have our own language, our own everything, our own culture. I mean, we're, we're not Creeks. We're Uchis, they said. But because with the you know the the Indian Reorganization Act and the Oklahoma Indian Welfare Act that that allowed tribal governments in Oklahoma to reorganize. If you reorganized with the Creek Nation, you were part of the Creek Nation. If you reorganized on your own, you were on your own. So in Oklahoma, you have a couple of tribes there who are actually Creeks like every other Creek, but are completely separate tribes: Dawaslaco Tribal Town and Kyleja Tribal Town and Alabama Corsardi Tribal Town. All three of those are independent tribal governments, and yet they're all actually Creeks. And the Uchi, who are actually right. an entirely separate people with a whole separate language, are part of the Creek Nation. And when they ask, we want to have our own tribal government, you know, Andrew Skeeter and all them, uh, the Uchi tribe of Indians, they, they turned them down. They said, look, you're already members of a tribe. We, you know, we can't, right. can't recognize you. Right. So there can be yeah. pitfalls. I, like I have Right. I have noticed that um, some of the, you know, you saying that uh, once you're identified as a certain tribal member, you know, there's no going back um, because a lot of our families applied, but they would apply to the Muscogee Creek, the Cherokee, Choctaw, Chickasaw, uh, whatever. I mean, these people were assimilated, and so... Um, but they were only recognized as one. They would, the BIA would go back and say, you know, this, you're not one of these. You fall into this category, and this is who you are. Regardless, if you were raised in the Choctaw Nation, your family was Chickasaw, so you're over here. And, um, right. you know, so that's, that's pretty crucial, you know, that 
that we understand that assimilation happened in the five civilized tribes, but now they can't go back and separate themselves out. They must stay under that same umbrella uh, regardless well, generally of generally speaking, their... I mean, just recently there was a change where Cherokee Nation, the Delawares, and the Shawnee that had been in Cherokee Nation historically, you know, the Delaware, and that group of Delaware and the Shawnee group, had historically been their own people, kind of take refuge in Cherokee Nation, and were rolled up into Cherokee Nation, you know, where they wanted to come back mm-hmm. out and be on their own, and, and that wasn't happening. Mm-hmm. And I believe mm-hmm. if I remember what was happening there, the Shawnee said, well, yeah, but we the, the allotment lands or however that went to our, our people, we want to take with us into our new federal recognition as a separate group. Cherokee Nation, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly, really put the brakes on the Shawnees doing that. Where the Delaware said, we don't want to take any land from Cherokee Nation, but please support us in letting go of us and allowing the Department of Interior to recognize us separately. If we all agree on it, they're saying they'll do it, and they did. And they just just oh, got great. you know their federal yeah. recognition back a couple of years ago. Every now and then you find an anomaly, but generally speaking, once you're in, you're in. You don't get out. <laughs> I see. I see. Great. Well, that's encouraging uh, that they've streamlined this uh, process for those who deserve it the most and have worked and and kept their government organized uh, through all of the decades of, uh, you know, just assimilation. Um, We only have um, about 10 seconds left on the live, but we will continue to um, record. However, it will be live, the rest of it will be live later on. So we are on, um, we have now left the live recording, and that's just the way they do it on the prime time. So um, great. Well, that's now, was this book actually named uh, Life in the Spiral at one time? No, no, that's another one that I still have. That's it's pretty one. much a done manuscript. I just, I have two or three manuscripts that are really done, but because of uh, some, a couple of the manuscripts have sensitivity in that the subject matter, living elders and politics being what it is, I, I wrestle over whether it's the time for that book to be out there. You know, sometimes it's about subject matter that some Indian people may say, I, I don't know if you should write about that or if you should talk about that. So sometimes I just kind of sit on something, but I really felt, Really important prize book come out because uh, people can kind of uh, mark my word as I'm saying on this that we're on the eve of a very big change to the federal recognition process and this this reorganization by BIA was just a reaction to an intensely growing push by groups of tribes especially the Lumbee to really make a sea change in the way the relationship between historically non-federally recognized tribes, and that's a, that's a specific group. We're not talking about everybody. We're talking about groups like the Lumbee who have a, a, a century and a half of, of active, engaged political struggle for recognition and have, you know, faced those same criticisms and the same libels and the same, you know, accusations of, of uh, not being legitimate and have continued to come back and come back and come back against those, unlike other groups that surfaced, you know, petitioned for recognition and disappeared within the same decade sometimes, you know. These guys, uh, certain key groups, and 
the table being cleared of the Virginia tribes, for the most part, there's a couple that are still in the process, but that is um, part of what I'm talking about is going to happen over the next five or ten years. But I'm saying that I believe that the, the Lumbee, the Lumbee, tribe of Chiro Indians is going to become fairly recognized within the next five to ten years, and it's going to be mm-hmm. a serious impact on the social landscape of not only federal recognition and those you know, involved with that, but the Indian identity in the South in general, in that you know mm-hmm. many of these communities, not just the Lumbee tribe itself of Robeson County, but as 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 Pony Hill documented in his book, The Strangers in Their Own Land, the, the, the state-recognized tribe mm-hmm. of South Carolina, six of the seven South Carolina tribes are, are kind of um, originated in that same historic population, you know. And anybody who right. mentioned this should really read up on the historic three people of color populations and that 300-year history of, you know, evolution, social evolution, really. And look into how this is about to happen, what I'm talking about, because these large communities, whether the state-recognized tribes of South Carolina and North Carolina that are sourced from that same colonial population, or even some of the others, there's there's groups, that, smaller groups that you can track in, you know, Tennessee and Alabama and different states. There's going to be a sea change going on to where once once Lumbee breaks through that ceiling, you know, that says, well, We'll recognize these tribes over here, but you guys don't really fit our idea of how it should be. They're sheer peoplehood and really fueled by people like Dr. Melinda Maynard Lowry and others who said, you know, there's here what you see with your eyes, but I'm going to show you the historical reality behind it on paper. Those kind of efforts have built and built and built since Adolf Dial, you know, and back in the 60s and 70s and the the Lumbee activists right. coming out just to really push. I think it's going to happen within the decade, within the next decade. That, and it's going to affect the way that there is a – this is how I see it. There's a three-way struggle that's going on. You've got southern tribal groups like the Lumbee and related state tribes on down the line all the way to Dominica people and Redbone people and everybody that's tied up in the same history. Then you have large Western reservation populations of, you know, fairly full-blood Indians living on large reservations. Then you have a lot of this that's Oklahoma and some of the state tribes that are around. They all have different, um, they all have different constituencies politically. They all have different needs, and they all have different visions of what it means to be themselves. So you you get a tribe like the Lumbee tribe, you know, sixty, seventy thousand people. You get a tribe like Cherokee Nation of Oklahoma, 320,000 people, and ideas of peoplehood, ideas of community and identity that really are coming to a head where, you know, these communities, whether you're talking about Western reservations, you're talking about southeastern Indian populations like the Lumbee, or you're talking about tribes in Oklahoma, they have very different histories and very different goals. And that, you know, BIA's kind of got a, a pressure cooker going where it's trying to keep a lid on all of these um uh, intentions and hopes and, you know, beliefs uh, by tribal leaders. And you're seeing responses mm-hmm. when you track some of this, where Cherokee Nation sure. especially, you know, looks into groups that claim Cherokee identity and is very aggressive in their addressment of that. Then you have tribes like the Miami tribe of Oklahoma that works with the Miami tribe of Ohio in Indiana and in that area to preserve language and, you know, 
sometimes you see groups working together. One's federal and one's not. Um, Porch Bank right. here, same thing. You know, they they support some of the local Creek Indian activities by people and groups that are not Porch Band Creek Indians, but are Creek descendants nonetheless. Same thing from what I hear going on in Louisiana, you know, with some of the tribes there and stuff. So there's a lot going yeah, on yeah. to keep up with just when it comes to recognition. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, it sounds intriguing and uh, very informative um, as to the status and, and where things are officially with these people and uh, their tribal affiliations. Um, now, let's get into the Freedman's Quandary, uh, Crossroads of Tribal Identity in Indian Country. Um, this is, of course, uh, you know, extremely interesting uh, to us mixed bloods. So tell us about this book, and um, I think you've already touched a little bit in here, but tell us about the Negro descent in the five tribes and um, the things that you address in that book. Um, I think that one is going to be a great one. Well, I think, I, in a way, I was um, spurred on to that book in that I've been back in Florida or here three years now working, you know, mainly for the Dominica descent, Dominica Indian community and the reorganization and stuff we've been doing here. But for 15 years before that, I was in Oklahoma and worked and helped and stuff with some of the stuff going on there in relation to making friends and helping freedmen communities, uh, Marilyn Van, Ron Graham, they had a Samson, people like that, that, that whether they were Cherokee, Creek, you know, Seminole, um, they were looking for their their place, and all three of the of the major groups of des- descendants of freedmen who still are called freedmen as a group, they have a right. um, a a organization that represents freedmen of all five tribes, and it's kind of headed by Marilyn Van, and it's been a fast moving unfolding situation since they really got fired up a couple decades ago, really got it going hard, and now. Just, you know, last year or two, it's been real developments to where they settled that, you know, like Cherokee Nation Freedmen, you're still on the roll, even though Cherokee Nation would say, we're going to remove these guys. Or the the Seminole have two bands of freedmen out of their 10 or 12 bands of the Seminole Nation. Two of them are freedmen bands. And they have, you know, Mm -hmm. full participation in the tribal government and stuff, but they actually don't have any Indian blood quantum. And that's actually where it all stands as far as Creek, Cherokee, you know, uh, Seminole, Freedmen. But the the question mm-hmm. that it always begs that comes to the fore very quickly is, well, how did this person wind up being a Freedman and how did that person wind up on the blood roll? During the allotment mm-hmm. in 1907 and leading up to statehood in 1907, you know, they had the, the Dawes Commission was allotting Indian lands and they had, you know, Dawes allotment commissioners there, and people would interview to get their allotment, and they had an Indian by blood role, an intermarried whites role, and a freedman role. And, you know, it was very arbitrary the way people's names were put on the different roles. And now, we you know, with hindsight, and as we go back through and do our, uh, our archival research into the documents, we see where there's cases where one brother's on one list and one brother's on the other list. I mean, it's very Yes, it was, and I have a one here for William Lawrence Goins, my great-grandfather's brother, um, where 
three of his children were uh, enrolled into the Choctaw, and then two of his children were not because they were born in Texas. And so there they are living in the same household. Three of the children are enrolled, and two of the children are not. And so I, I can honestly identify with, you know, this this crazy thing that went on back then about who was and who wasn't and what the eligibility. And so I, I really hope that they do another streamline, like you said before, and say, you know, hey, if this, I don't know, how do they handle that? It would, you know, how are it, they well, going to handle going It's the live backwards? wire. It's the real I third bet. rail. Tribes determine their membership. It's, it's the very basis of sovereignty. And so, Whatever yes. the feds feel and, and input, it really comes down to a wrestling match between tribal governments and their relationship with the federal government and how much leverage the federal government can have in its input of what it thinks about how tribes are determining membership. And that's a real, real live wire in any country. So, you know, I, I, mm. one buddy out there that I have, Ron Graham, you know, he's, a, he's a leader among the Freedmen Creeks, and uh, – he, yeah, his dad, his dad and, and and grandparents, people like that, Blue Graham and all, speak Creek at the stomp dances. Great stomp dance leader, well known through the communities. But a black Creek, a, a black man who spoke Creek, whose family had spoke Creek, lived in the mm-hmm. Creek Nation, as Creek as you could be, but not Indian, mm-hmm. but as Creek as you could be, yeah. caught in this trap to where you know you've got individuals who were very involved in in the community and their identity, and then. You know, from statehood on through up until, you know, the 70s, nobody really stirred it too bad because everybody had not really returned to full sovereignty like they did in the early 70s when full self-determination was returned to tribes like that. And then slowly it began to build. And, you know, it, it really caught fire with the Seminoles and, and their, you know, attempt to say we're getting these freedmen, you know, out of the tribe when really historically they're the closest of allies, way more than other tribes. Seminole, you know, Seminole relationship with its African uh, descent mm. people, uh, whether in Florida mm. or Texas or Mexico or Oklahoma, any place you have Afro-Seminole people, that's a very distinct history. Mm. We're not talking about just, you know, Cherokees, freedmen, you know, Cherokees having enslaved people that were freed. The relationship's pretty different. So every tribe, you yes, know, those yes. major groups have their own unique France. history. Yes. Yeah. That that is a live wire. I I would not even want to. I mean, what a conundrum that people would live in that sort of state of, hey, I'm I am an uh, an Indian, but I'm not recognized, and I live here, and and this is my tradition and my culture and my family, and uh, so I can see how that would be, and uh, you know, a crazy live wire, like you said. Uh, I don't know how it's all going to get worked out. The overarching problem that? is that we're we're looking at a real Indian country wide um, wrestling match within Indian country and within Indian hearts and minds and tribal council chambers about are these nations or is this a race? And that's an old question, mm-hmm. and it's a it's a brand new question because as tribes mm-hmm. look at like right here right now at right here right now at porch big push big struggle. Or is Porch Band going to make the first-generation descendants enroll tribal members? You know, back in 86 when Porch got federal, half of the tribe was on the quarter-blood quantum 
uh, level. So immediately, half of the children mm-hmm. born to the tribe weren't going to be tribal members anyway. And so you have, over the years Definitely. since, you've had first and second generation descents. Oh, that's people whose parent or grandparent are a poor tribal member, but they're not. Do they get benefits? Do they get, you know, kind of consideration by the tribe? Well, they've been doing that to some degree. Now the pressure has built up. Let's just make them tribal members, a lot of the people say. So these issues of Indian sovereignty as nations, like any nation, to where, yeah, you have freedmen. Yeah, you have their married wife. Yeah, you have a historical identity that includes a very diverse population. Or is this just about the quantum as understood and presented through Bureau of Indian Affairs, you know, perspective that, you know, a lot, you know, we've all heard where they say, well, this is, if you pass years, you're probably not going to have no Indians anyway. 